The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up! And 27 down for Teasley. The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions. Patriots win another Atlantic League title. Warning track wall. Good. Home run for Corey Aldridge. His third blast of the game. It's a walk-off grand slam. It is gone. Ball game over. Series over. And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions. On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. A special hello as well to our live listeners on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. Also, a reminder that each of these episodes are also archived as podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and SomersetPatriots.com. On this week's episode, we'll do a deeper dive into the Miami Marlins' purchase of New Jersey Blasters' left-handed pitcher Brandon Lebrand's contract. We'll have a full review of a huge Week 4 sweep by the Somerset Patriots in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series and a preview of a pivotal Week 5 with updated power rankings, plus a conversation with Somerset Patriots cleanup hitter Dan Valerio. All right, let's get into it. What's going on, fans? We're back! Well, let's start today's episode with Brandon Lebrand, a very exciting story coming out of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. Uh, of course, Lebrand's contract was purchased by the Miami Marlins organization last Thursday. Got a chance to briefly put something into last week's pod, but didn't really get a chance to dive deep into it. So uh, I wanted to take a really closer look at exactly what happened with Brandon Lebrand and how exciting, how thrilling it is, not only for him, uh, but for everyone in Somerset uh, involved with the Somerset Professional Baseball Series as well. Uh, so for starters, in case there's any confusion, Lebrand's contract was purchased by the Miami Marlins from the Somerset Patriots. Now, the Patriots are the parent organization of the New Jersey Blasters. So yes, Lebrand was pitching for the Blasters, and if anybody wants to know what the last team he was on was uh, before getting over to the Marlins, uh, it would be the New Jersey Blasters. But everyone who is on the New Jersey Blasters roster uh, is in the umbrella of the Somerset Patriots. So when the Marlins purchased the contract, it's not like they just negotiated with the Blasters. They negotiated uh, and came to an agreement with the Somerset Patriots organization. That aside, a massive, massive congratulations needs to go out to Brandon. How thrilling this is for him. Um, He is reporting directly to the Miami Marlins taxi squad. He's currently listed on the Marlins website as a non-roster member, but he is listed on the team's website. 
which means that he's a part of their 60-person player pool uh, for the Major League Baseball roster uh, and can be called up. So it's important to know that he is now a part of the player pool that is accessible for the Miami Marlins. Um, if they need another arm, that he can be one of those players uh, selected to be called up to the Major Leagues. And with everything that's been going on with the Marlins, of course, uh, they were the first team in Major League Baseball to have a real significant COVID-19 outbreak uh, that forced a number of their pitchers and a number of their overall players to go on the inactive list. Um, you know, you can make an argument that there might not be a better spot for Lee Brand to land in um, in terms of accessibility to get up to the major league level as quick as possible. Um, so it's certainly an interesting landing spot for Lee Brand, and we're all so, so excited and happy for him. Uh, this is somebody who was clearly deserving of the opportunity. He made three starts in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series with the New Jersey Blasters and was dominant. 1-0, a 0.75 ERA, that led the league among qualified pitchers. 15 strikeouts, that led the league among qualified pitchers as well. Uh, and in his last start as a blaster, five shutout innings, one hit, um, and he struck out seven batters. So clearly deserving. And, and even just aside from his stats with the blasters, you go back to his baseball reference page and what he had done in previous professional stops before this series, of course this guy is deserving of an opportunity. The last time that he pitched professionally, back in 2018, he went 4-1 and one with a 1.42 ERA over 20 games, um, six of which were starts with AAA Lehigh Valley in the Phillies organization. Uh, unfortunately, his 2018 season was cut short due to a Tommy John surgery, and then he was released by the Phillies organization uh, back on May 29, 2020, uh, when all of these teams were making their COVID-19 releases. Uh, so this was a guy that needed to show that he was healthy and that he was ready to get back into a major league organization. He needed a platform, and this is exactly what this series was intended to do. It's a perfect example of what the league is all about, giving an opportunity to a guy that needed a platform. So Lee Brandt was able to come in here, he was able to prove that he was healthy, that he could still throw, and that he could still throw with a lot of success. He did that through three starts, very impressive numbers, and of course the Marlins recognized that, and also knowing his previous history in the Phillies organization being so closely tied in the NL East to the Marlins, uh, the Marlins made the jump, made the signing, and we couldn't be happier for him. Um, it shows the level of talent in this league as well. It helps legitimize our efforts here. And, you know, I've said this before in a number of pods, and, and hopefully that's begun to resonate with all of you guys. There's a very high level of talent in this league. Lee Brent was just an example of that. Um, there's a good mixture. Some guys that are making their professional baseball debuts, guys that are straight out of college. Uh, but there's also guys that have Major League Baseball experience, AAA experience, AA experience, uh, specifically on the pitching side of things. Uh, so for Lee Brandt to have his contract purchased and to go immediately into a taxi squad for a major league organization uh, really helps legitimize the overall talent um, and displays what we have going on here uh, in Somerset with this uh, new upstart series. Uh, the, the last thing I'll, I'll mention on this, just think about how cool it would be for a second um, for Brandon Lee Brandt to get called up to the Miami Marlins and then get put into a game and there's that little Chiron, that little graphic that's put on uh, the Major League broadcast where it says last team, and hopefully they would put in New Jersey Blasters. Uh, it's a great story for Major League broadcasters, uh, for the Miami Marlins team to, to show off. We've written about it on SomersetPatriots.com. Um, and I think when we look back at how baseball looked in 2020, 
Um, there's going to be a lot of things that didn't necessarily go the way that we wanted it to, uh, but this will be a really cool story and something that, that Lee Brandt can hang his hat on, that the Marlins can hang their hats on, and of course everyone that's involved with the Somerset Patriots organization uh, and the New Jersey Blasters team can hang their hats on, that we were able to not only make a professional baseball series work amidst a pandemic and have fans be in attendance here at TD Bank Ballpark and be the first professional baseball games played in the state of New Jersey in the year 2020 amidst the pandemic. Uh, but we were also able to get a guy uh, signed to a major league baseball contract, um, which is just awesome. So something that everyone surrounding the Somerset Patriots organization, and of course, something that Brandon Liebrandt can be very, very proud of. All right, let's look into week four now and the big sweep from the Somerset Patriots over the New Jersey Blasters. It started off with Friday night's game getting postponed due to rain. Uh, we were here in the ballpark. We were ready to go. Unfortunately, the radar and the weather did not um, help us out at all. And it provided for an interesting storyline throughout the weekend. Uh, it threw off the strategy of, of both of these teams a little bit. First for the Somerset Patriots, David Kubiak was slated to pitch Friday night. Uh, he wound up not going the entire weekend. He was thrown off on his uh, pitching schedule. Mark Leiter Jr. still had to go on Saturday. That's where, that's how he's been working every week to work towards a Saturday start. So the Patriots didn't want to throw that off. And then Kubiak wasn't going to be available on Sunday. Uh, so the Patriots had to use a spot starter on Sunday in Max Herman, uh, which took away their first bullpen arm that they've used out of the pen uh, in each of the first three weeks. So the Patriots all of a sudden had to work with an adjusted bullpen. And the same could be said for the New Jersey Blasters as well. They did not make any additions to their pitching staff once Brandon Liebrand's contract was purchased. So it was always a question going into the weekend exactly who was going to be the second starting pitcher. And with Friday night getting thrown off, John Hunton decided to shift Vin Mazzaro one day to Saturday night and then went with Alex Vargas as a spot starter out of the bullpen on Sunday. But what that meant was that the Blasters really only had three relievers available for Saturday night's game and then only two available for Sunday's game. So it was a difficult uh, weekend for, for both teams, especially navigating the bullpen. Uh, but it was the Patriots that came away with a massively important weekend sweep. They took Saturday night's ball game 4-3. to three. They took Sunday's game 3-1. to one. Saturday night's game was a lot closer. Uh, the Blasters, in fact, actually led 2 to nothing after the first three innings. Uh, going into the bottom of the fifth, that's when the Patriots got their first run. But Vin Mazzaro, once again, and we'll get into the power rankings in the next segment, another really strong outing for Vin Mazzaro. Five innings of work allowed just one run on four hits, one walk, five strikeouts. Uh, he left the game on Saturday night in line for what would have been his second win of the series, uh, the Blasters, they got an RBI double from Tommy McCarthy in the second, an RBI double from Luis Roman in the third. Uh, they added another run in the sixth, though the Blasters twice in that ballgame led by two runs. They led 2 nothing early. They led 3-1 going into the bottom of the sixth inning. But that's when the Patriots had probably their most important inning of this entire series to this point. Mazzaro exited. Sean Caselica uh, came on the mound for the Blasters in the bottom of the sixth inning, again with New Jersey having a limited bullpen available. Kaselika's struggles earlier in the series revolved around uh, issuing too many walks, and that was once again the case in this bottom of the sixth inning. He walked the first two batters that he faced, Shane Fontana and Dan Valerio, and then Kaselika and the Blasters would pay. 
Joey Rose grounded an RBI double down the third baseline. That made it a one-run ball game. And then three batters later with one out in the inning, but the bases loaded. Sean Guido was at the plate. Sean Caselica on the mound for the Blasters, so a lefty-lefty matchup. And Guida grounded into what could have been an inning-ending double play. Instead, it was a fielder's choice. And when the ball was shifted from the shortstop Lipschitz over to the second baseman or Roman covering the second base bag, Luis Roman dropped the ball on the transfer, and the ball got away from him. It rolled into center field, and, and two runs scored on the play. So it could have been an inning-ending double play, and the Blasters would have still been in front. Instead, uh, two runs scored on the play, and that gave the Patriots a 4-3 lead. They turned it uh, over to a combination of Taylor Wright and James Puglis in the top of the seventh inning and won the ball game. Uh, it was the most runs that the Patriots had scored in a game so far this series. They had yet to score more than two entering Saturday, uh, but they put three runs on the board in that bottom of the sixth. And we might look back in the series at that specific inning as a turning point for the Patriots um, at a very important moment for the Patriots to try to get some momentum. So they won Saturday night's ball game, and then Sunday was pretty much all Somerset from the get-go. It was Max Herman on the mound for the Patriots, Alex Vargas for the Blasters. Herman, in making his spot start, he did have starting experience uh, prior to joining the Somerset Patriots. He made two starts at AAA last year for the Salt Lake Bees and Los Angeles Angels organization. Um, in his starting debut on Sunday, four shutout innings allowed just one hit. He struck out four batters. Uh, the Patriots got a run-scoring error in the bottom of the second to take a lead, but uh, the big hit for Somerset on a Sunday night was a two-out, two-run single from Connor Justice in the bottom of the fourth inning that chased Alex Vargas from the ballgame. Vargas went three and two-thirds. He nearly got out um, of that bottom of the fourth unscathed and, and would have kept the Blasters in the ballgame, but the big Justice two-out, two-run single chased Vargas, uh, and then it was up to the bullpens the rest of the way, uh, but the Patriots... They did allow a run in the top of the sixth inning on a Derek Romberg RBI double, but that chased Billy Lane Jr. from the game. In came James Puglis, and it was a big weekend for Puglis. He got the save Saturday night. He came on for a five-out save opportunity on Sunday uh, and was nearly flawless. Uh, he worked an inning and two-thirds, allowed just one hit, no walks. He struck out three batters. He got the save and helped complete the weekend sweep for the Patriots. Of course, so important for the Patriots. This series is now tied at four games apiece. We only have five games left. Entering last weekend, so entering week four, Somerset, to win this series, needed to win five of the last seven games. So it was already a tall task for the Patriots going into this past weekend. But they got two of those wins both of them big, of course, highlighted by uh, the come-from-behind victory on Saturday. So now, there's basically, it's a five-game series. It's a best-of-five series. Whoever can win three of the next five games will take home the Joe Torre Championship Trophy. Uh, so it's set up a little surprising. I think not a lot of people expected the Blasters to be exactly where they are right now. Um, but we couldn't ask for any more in terms of importance of these games and the excitement level. Um, this is officially now anyone's series to take, and it's going to be really exciting to see how it concludes over the next two weekends. You no longer have to choose between an amazing network and an amazing price. When you switch to T-Mobile, you get both. Visit a T-Mobile store or tmobile.com to find out more. 
The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. All right, let's look at the upcoming week five in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series and some of the storylines that I'll be following in what is certainly a pivotal weekend with both teams tied at four games apiece and only five games remaining. All right, first for the Somerset Patriots storylines, one of the biggest ones, it's pretty obvious off the bat, can they keep the momentum going after a big weekend sweep in week four. They've tied this series up. Now it's an opportunity for the Patriots for the first time in the entire series, really, to grab a series lead. The last time that these two teams were tied was after week two, and the Patriots were not able to capitalize. They got swept in week three. Now they are coming off the heels of back-to-back wins. It seems like their lineup is starting to click a little bit more. Uh, They've established the back end of their bullpen with James Puglis. Can they keep the momentum alive and try to grab a stranglehold on this series? Because there's really only three more games to win for either of these teams to clinch the Joe Torre Championship trophy. It's a best-of-five series now. First team to win three games out of the last remaining five will win the series. So this first one coming up, on Friday night will certainly be very important. Uh, If the Patriots win, they will become the first team in this series to enjoy a three-game win streak. On that note, otherwise, the biggest storyline that I'm following are, are the bats for the Somerset Patriots going to be here to stay? Now, looking at this past weekend, of course, the Patriots, they did sweep the weekend. They won 4-3 on Saturday. They won 3-1 on Sunday. Saturday night, they had four runs on five hits, which was one of their highest hit outbursts of the season. That being said, three of the four runs that the Patriots scored in Saturday night's game came on ground outs. The first run they scored in the fifth inning was on a Scott Kelly RBI ground out. In the sixth inning, two runs came home on the Sean Guida fielder's choice. Guida got one RBI. A second run came home on an error. So it wasn't like those are very clean innings for the Patriots. Some bounces certainly went their way uh, for them to get those rallies. And then on Sunday, uh, they did put up three runs on three hits, but all three of the hits that the Patriots recorded in Sunday's game, they came in the same inning. All of them were in the fourth. Uh, Granted, all of them came off New Jersey Blasters starting pitcher Alex Vargas, but he was being stretched out into the fourth inning for the first time in this series. 
The first run that scored against Vargas by the Patriots was on a run scoring E6, and then the last two runs that they scored were on the Connor Justice two-out, two-run single, which was a huge at-bat and a huge hit for the Patriots, but again, that was with Vargas sort of at the end of his line. So it was certainly promising to see the production from the Patriots' bats this past weekend, but can they build upon that and keep that moving forward? That's going to be a big question, and it will be answered in part by the continuation, potentially, uh, of a couple of the big new bats in this Patriots lineup, Shane Fontana and Connor Justice. Those two, who joined the team prior to Week 3, have combined to go 7-for-19 from the plate, with two runs scored, three runs batted in, four walks, and four stolen bases over the first two weekends uh, that they've played in. So that's Justice and Fontana, their, their stats combined together over their first two weekends, which was week three and week four. Uh, so their production keeping at that pace will be a very important part of this Patriots team moving forward. Uh, both Fontana and Justice have reached base safely in each of the four respective games that they've played. And even Shane Fontana on Saturday night reached base three times when two for two from the plate also had a walk. Uh, so those two have certainly stretched out this Patriots lineup even more. They've added a lot of depth uh, and have been big time contributors. And were certainly big contributors into the Patriots sweep uh, over the last weekend. Similar on that offensive note, though, uh, Somerset is still looking for Scott Kelly to break out again. Uh, of course, the longest tenured member of the Somerset Patriots. He's currently in an 0 for 17 slump uh, ever since his last base hit, which was a third inning single on July 18th, the second game of this series. Uh, he has drawn four walks since that point, uh, but he didn't reach base at all in week four. He did have one run bedded in on an RBI ground out Saturday night. But, uh, of course, Kelly has continued to hit leadoff for the Patriots. He's batted leadoff uh, in, in each of their first eight games. Such an important part of this team and, um, you know, such an important part of this franchise, honestly. So we're still waiting for Scott Kelly to break out a little bit. And if he could add some production at the top of the Patriots lineup, um, that'll even stretch things out even further. Uh, from a pitching perspective for Somerset, David Kubiak should bounce back into his role as the Friday night starting pitcher for Week 5. Can he have a bounce-back performance? The last time we saw him on the mound, he was dominant over his first three innings, striking out five of the first nine batters that he faced, but ran into trouble in the fourth and was chased from that ball game. So can we see the David Kubiak that we got to know in the Atlantic League last year? Uh, will we see that this coming Friday in which is... Such an important ball game. And on that note, what happens to Max Herman? Mark Leiter Jr. is still going to be your Saturday night starting pitcher if you're a Patriots fan. Uh, so Herman likely going back into the bullpen, but he had a strong showing as a spot starter last Sunday. So maybe there's something um, you know to follow in terms of Herman's uh, usage moving forward. And then finally, on a pitching perspective for Somerset, James Puglisi. Had a dominant week four. Two saves he recorded. One was just a one-out save. Uh, the second save on Sunday night was a five-out save. He struck out four batters um, over those combined two innings. He now has three saves. He's only allowed one hit and one walk over five scoreless innings. So it seems as though the Patriots have locked down the back end of their bullpen, uh, which certainly provides a lot of stability for them and confidence going late into games if they are still carrying a lead. From a Blasters perspective, not as many storylines that I'm following. The big one is how will this pitching staff move forward now that Brandon Liebrand is no longer on the team? Who is the Saturday night starting pitcher for this team? Is it Alex Vargas? Does he get another opportunity to start? He allowed three runs, two earned, over three and two-thirds innings in a spot start on Sunday. Does he get the opportunity to go on Saturday night? I'm sure Vin Mazzaro, who has pitched very well 
uh, will still be the Friday night starting pitcher uh, for the New Jersey Blasters, but we'll see who goes on Saturday night. It could be Ryan Williamson, uh, though right now I think that Williamson might be a little bit more valuable for the Blasters out of their bullpen. Which brings me to the next storyline for the Blasters is who is going to be in this bullpen? I would imagine that New Jersey has to add some arms. Uh, It's certainly not easy to add pitchers uh, to a roster right now because they have to go through COVID testing. They have to be approved uh, and they have to be local. So I'd be very curious to see if there's any local pitchers that John Hunted's able to tap into to get them to join the staff moving forward. But New Jersey basically worked with three relief pitchers uh, over the last weekend. It was certainly tough on them. Alex Vargas was probably stretched a little further than John Hunton would have liked him to be. um, And that wound up hurting the Blasters because Vargas gave up a couple of runs in his final inning. Uh, Ryan Williamson can go multiple. Vin Aiello has that possibility as well. Uh, Sean Caselica should be a guy that goes multiple innings, but he has struggled with his command. uh, So that is sort of limited John's usage for him. So we'll see if there's new pitchers that are added moving forward and how Hunton utilizes this bullpen. It's it's something that I don't really know the answer to right now, and I'm very curious to see uh, what happens with that uh, moving forward. And then from a position player standpoint, uh, the return of Martin Figueroa, the expected return uh, this weekend, would be huge for the Blasters. Uh, he was arguably the top position player uh, in the entire series over the first three weeks of this series. Uh, he was not available last week, uh, according to manager John Hunton, said that he had some lower body soreness and Hunton was keeping him out as a precaution. Figueroa should be back, though, uh, for this upcoming week. He'll be plugged right back into the heart of that Blasters order, um, and he's such an important part of that Blasters team. So I'm very curious to see, uh, once he comes back into the mix, uh, how he's able to contribute for the Blasters and uh, keep this thing going in what should certainly be a very exciting final five games of the series. All right, now let's look at some of the power rankings uh, that I have. And again, these are unofficial. These are according just to myself. They're not the official rankings um, for both the Sparky Lyle and Willie Randolph awards that'll be uh, given out at the end of the series. This is just sort of where I'm at right now and how I'm ranking some of the players uh, to this point. We'll start on the pitching side with the Sparky Lyle Award. Uh, at number six for me, um, a newcomer into the power rankings, it's Max Herman. Uh, he was not ranked last week. Currently, Herman uh, has not yet factored into a decision, but a 0.96 ERA. Over nine and a third innings of work, he's allowed just one earned run. He has struck out 11 batters. And this past weekend, in a spot start, four scoreless innings for Herman. Uh, so he jumps into the power rankings. If he gets some opportunities as a starter, maybe there's going to be a chance for him to move up a little bit. Out of the bullpen, he's going to have to dominate, but uh, he certainly enters the conversation. He's one spot below Billy Lane Jr., who comes in at number five for me. Lane Jr.'s up one spot from last week. He did allow a run, his first run that he's allowed to the series on Sunday. However, he did record a win in that ballgame, which helped even things out for him a bit. Um, And with Brandon Liebrand exiting the power rankings, he was given an opportunity to move up one spot. Uh, Lane Jr., 1-0, a 1-3-5 ERA. He has also struck out nine batters over just six and two-thirds innings, so a slightly better K per nine uh, than Max Herman has Billy Lane Jr. for me coming in at number five. Uh, Number four, Mark Leiter Jr. stays there. That's where I had him in my rankings last week. Um, He did get the start on Saturday for the Patriots and pitched pretty much just like he has the last couple of weeks. Uh, Two earned runs over five innings of work, four hits, no walks, which was certainly an improvement for Leiter Jr. and five strikeouts. 
Uh, but he got a no decision. It was a game the Patriots won after Leiter Jr. exited. Um, so with his numbers and the improvements from a couple of other guys, he stays at number four. Uh, for me, number three is James Puglis. Jumps up three spots. He was at number six last week. He's up to number three for me. Uh, entering week five, uh, reasons being for what I just mentioned in the last segment, uh, dominant weekend, two saves, four strikeouts over two shutout innings of relief. Puglis is now 1-0. He has not allowed an earned run. He has three saves, which leads the series over five innings of work. He's allowed just two base runners, one hit and one walk, and he has struck out 10 over those five innings. So Puglis uh, moving up to the number three spot in my Sparky Lyle Award power rankings. Number two is Vin Mazzaro. He jumps up one spot from last week because Brandon Liebrandt exited, and Mazzaro had another strong start. Uh, one run earned over five innings, four hits, one walk, and five strikeouts on Saturday. Uh, overall, Mazzaro is 1-0. He's got a 2.12 earned run average, which is the lowest of any remaining starting pitcher in this series. 19 innings of work that's tied for most innings in the series. 19 strikeouts also tied for the series lead against just four walks. Um, so Mazzaro certainly deserving. And then at number one, I still have Ryan Williamson. Uh, he only made one appearance this past weekend. He tossed an inning and a third, but he did strike out two batters. Uh, he didn't record any decision, but he still remains 2-0. His ERA is down to 2.84. And one thing I just can't get away, he's only allowed two base runners over six and a third innings. He's tied for the series lead in wins. He also has a save and 14 strikeouts over six and a third innings. Um, just really strong numbers. If Lee Brandt was still around and he had another strong start this past weekend, I probably would have leapfrogged Lee Brandt above Williamson. But of course, Lee Brandt now in the Miami Marlins organization. So for me, Ryan Williamson entering week five remains uh, in the pole position for the Sparky Lyle Award in the SPBS. In terms of position players, um, another newcomer into the power rankings. At number six, I have Shane Fontana. He's only played two weekends. I understand that, but the impact that he's made for the Somerset Patriots over his first two weeks um, have been substantial. A 444 batting average for Fontana. He's got four hits in nine at-bats. He's scored a run, uh, one run batted in, but three walks, three stolen bases, and a 583 on-base percentage. Uh, he is instantly become a very important part of this Patriots team. Uh, so he makes his first appearance on the power rankings at number six. At number five, Derek Romberg uh, for the New Jersey Blasters. He drops two spots from last week. He still had a relatively productive weekend. Uh, he went one for six from the plate. He did have an RBI double on Sunday. That provided the only run of a game on Sunday for the Blasters. Uh, so he does have three runs batted in um, on the series now, which is uh, second most on the New Jersey Blasters. Uh, he's a 250 batting average, five hits, a couple doubles, a 348 on base percentage. He comes in at number five. Joey Rose stays at number four for me. Um, it was a productive weekend for Rose. Um, he improved his batting average to 238. On Saturday, Rose did reach base once. He had an RBI double in the sixth inning of that game and scored a run. He had a base hit, a stolen base, and a run scored on Sunday as well. Um, so Rose, he's second in the series with four runs batted in. He's the only guy with a home run. Uh, he has now stolen two bases. Uh, what really hurts Rose and why I still have him at four, uh, he has not drawn many walks. He has two walks. Uh, so a, a relatively low batting average at 238. Um, and a lower on-base percentage at 292. That's what keeps him at number four. At number three, I've got Dan Valerio. 
Valerio was at number six last week, so he moves up three spots for me um, entering week five. It was a strong weekend for Valerio. On Saturday, he reached base twice, drawing a pair of walks, scoring a run, and stealing a base. And on Saturday, he reached base twice again, uh, went one for two, stole two bases, drew a walk, scored a couple of runs. Uh, overalls, three runs scored, three walks, and three stolen bases on the weekend for Valerio. His batting average is above 300 at 308. He's got a 444 OBP. He leads the series in stolen bases with five. Um, he's also got a couple of runs batted in. He's got four runs scored. So uh, certainly Valerio holding strong and, and moving up in the rankings to number three. And then my top two remain unchanged from last week. Louis Martini comes in at number two. Uh, he's the only player in the series who has reached base safely in each game so far, make it now an eight-game on-base streak uh, for Martini. Saturday night, he went one for three. He did steal his first base and score a run. And then on Sunday, uh, drew three walks. He became the first player in the series to draw three walks in the same game. Uh, so Martini's batting average, roughly around the same uh, at 273, but his on-base percentage spikes up to 448. He's now drawn six walks and, again, continues to lead the series with five runs batted in. And then even though he didn't play last week, I still have Martin Figueroa at number one. Uh, he still, to me, remains the most dangerous bat uh, in this series when he's at the plate, and the numbers back it up, um, namely because of a massive week two for Figueroa. His 313 batting average is still the highest among qualified batters. Uh, five runs scored, that leads the series. Five hits, second in the series. Two runs batted in, six walks is tied for the series lead, and a 500 on base percentage for Figueroa. So he stays at number one. Uh, so similar to last week, uh, the top two in each of the Sparky Lyle power rankings and the Willie Randolph power rankings are New Jersey Blasters. However, there's a number of Patriots that are moving up the rankings after their sweep last weekend. And I'm sure heading into the final week of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, uh, week six, uh, we'll have even more movement and we're certainly set up for a, a very exciting conclusion. Uh, so those are your power rankings and storylines heading into week five. When we come back, uh, I'll be joined over the phone uh, by Patriots cleanup batter and now number three in the Willie Randolph power rankings, Dan Valerio. Whatever this season brings, you'll be there for the Patriots and TD Bank will be there for you. Bank 24-7, online, or on the TD app. Or talk to a human by phone anytime. TD Bank, unexpectedly human. Visit tdbank.com. TD Bank, America's most convenient bank. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com slash always. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together.
All right, and welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and this week I have the pleasure of being joined alongside another one of the newest members of the Somerset Patriots and somebody who's been hitting cleanup uh, pretty consistently for the team. It's Dan Valerio. How's it going, Dan? Going well, Mark. You know, thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. I wanted to get a chance to uh, to catch up a little bit with you. You've had a very strong start to this series. Um, right now, the current Somerset Professional Baseball Series is tied up at four games apiece. Um, we'll get into all of that, but I guess just to start off, um, what's this entire experience been like for you? How's everything going? It's it's going great. You know, I've uh, you know, it's it's really exciting, and I'm I'm really grateful to be able to you know go out there and compete every weekend. You know, for for a first class organization like the Patriots. Well, so take me back to the beginning. Um, and how this all started for you, for you. I mean, I know you're a New Jersey native. Uh, that's pretty much a, a common thread for a lot of the guys on both the Patriots and the Blasters. But um, can you talk me through how you got in contact with John Hunton and, and what the the early stages of, you know, trying out and, and joining this uh, this series were like for you? Yeah. So, you know, back, back in the wintertime, I signed and I was going to go play in the Frontier League. Um, and then once that was canceled – I really wasn't wasn't expecting to play baseball, you know, because of the virus. But then, you know, John reached out, and, and there was some talk that Somerset was going to try to put something together. Uh, John reached out in a messenger, and then, you know, I came to a workout, the tryout, and it, and it worked out from there. You know, I guess John, you know, saw the potential. He liked that I could play every position, you know, and they offered me an opportunity to play. Well, I remember when uh, when we announced the rosters, you were – uh, I think the only player on either team that was initially listed as utility. Um, so I, I guess that uh, that certainly went a long way. H- had you been in contact with John, I guess, before signing with a Frontier League team? H- had the Patriots ever been on your radar? Were you, were you in contact with him at all? No, I, I, n- I never, you know, leading up to this, I played in the USPBL. And then, like I said, I just, I thought the Frontier League was the best for rookies, maybe. You know, mm. I, I didn't know potentially what the Atlantic League looked like, but, you know, we'll see what the future holds. I'm not real, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I've had a blast, you know, playing. Did you ever go to a Somerset Patriot game growing up? Growing up? No, I, I actually, I never did. You know, I, I uh, I've always heard about it. I, I would always drive by the stadium and now you can't miss it on 287. So. <laughs> well, so just to provide a little background for our fans on, on sort of where you come from, currently a resident of, uh, of Brick, New Jersey. Uh, you attended Monmouth Regional High School. I actually won, a, was it 2013, a New Jersey State Championship with them? Do I, do I have that right? Yeah. You know, uh, Ted Jarmus, that was his last season. He, he was like a legend in high school baseball. So, you know, it was an honor to, to play for him and win a state championship. It was pretty cool. What, what was that experience like for you? You know, it, it was something else. You know, I was one of the younger guys that was playing, you know, and I was surrounded by a bunch of seniors, and it was just like, you know, that winning culture and the, and just, mm. uh, you know, you just go out there and compete. It's like, you know, there was nothing like it, you know, in those big games and, you know, the leadership we had was like, you know, a memory I'll never forget. So after you were done in high school, you played, um, what was it, two years? You started off at Rowan College, um, had a lot of success there, made two NJ CAA uh, World Series appearances in, in 2015 um, and 2016. And then after that point, um, you went over to Southeastern University. So I'm curious what that process was like for you, Dan, um, to be playing college ball 
in New Jersey, the state where you grew up, where, you know, you had your grounding, you had your foundation, and then deciding to, you know, pursue a higher level of baseball with a different university in a completely different area of the country? Yeah, you know, so I went, I went to junior college, you know, coming out of high school, I didn't have the grades to go, to go anywhere else. And, you know, really for anybody, any, any high school player that's maybe undersized or, or really doesn't know, you know, like teams aren't calling him, you know, like, and offering scholarships, like junior college is a great route. And mm. for two years, I developed, you know, I developed into a college hitter and, and somebody that can compete at a high level. Um, you know, so after those two years, then I got a scholarship. I actually went to North Carolina Central and it didn't work out, you know, and then I ended up at Southeastern and it, you know, my junior year, I mean, I just, I really You're don't right. know what happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, like, like mentally, it was like a switch, you know, and it was like, <laughs> man, this game, it's just fun, you know, and it, and it wasn't, I wasn't concerned with failure anymore. You know, I just went out there and mm. played ball and good things happened. So that 2018 season, you led the team in hitting. You had a 390 batting average, uh, 17 home runs. Uh, you set a single season program record with 84 runs batted in. You were named to the first team All Sun Conference, second team NAIA All American. Um, you guys won the Avista NAIA National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics World Series. Um, so I, I guess about as remarkable a season as you possibly could have. What, what was that run like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it was bittersweet. You know, it was like, it was just, I mean, just having the experience in junior college going to the World Series and and having that feeling of being so close, mm. and then actually and then actually winning one. You know, it, it was it was an amazing feeling, and it, and it was even more amazing. You know, my father that season he had a massive stroke, and you know, growing up he would come to every game. You know, and and he even. I was playing in Florida. If he was healthy, he would have still came, you know, like <laughs> he would always come and, you know, he wasn't able to, you know, cause he was in the hospital and stuff like that. But then like, you know, him winning, us winning as a, as a team, you know, like, you know, that was just cool. You know, I, I just thought, you know, all my success and stuff, like what my dad did for me growing up, you know, like was mm. a huge contributor to that season and just kind of, you know, boosting and encouragement for him, you know, when we, when we won. So you had another strong season in 2019 at Southeastern. I'm curious, at what point did playing professional baseball um, really become a reality for you or, or a thought that, you know what, maybe I've got a legitimate chance at doing this? Yeah, so so that really, you know, it was always a dream, and I w- it always felt so far. Mm. Um, but when I was in I, – I played with Chatham, the Chatham Anglers that summer, and when I was in the Cape, I was like, wow. You know, like growing up, I went to a camp in the Cape, and I never thought in a million years I'd be putting on a uniform and going to play there. Yeah. And you know, I had teammates like Alex Manoa, who was a first-round pick, and then you know, Spencer Torkelson was on my team. He was just picked number one <laughs> overall. You know, wow. I, I was like, I was like, man, this, this maybe become a reality. You know, I thought it would happen differently, but you know, it wasn't in the plans. But you know, I'm still playing ball, so. I spent the summer in the New England Collegiate Baseball League. Um, so, you know, it's a notch underneath the Cape, but I remember that being like the best summer that I've ever had in my life. I'm, I'm sure you had a blast over in the Cape. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. You know, just that environment, you know, it's, it was, uh, it's a fantastic league. You know, they, yeah. they do a, they do a great job. 
So after you graduated from Southeastern, um, you did make your professional baseball debut in 2019. Um, you played briefly in the uh, the USPBL. Um, so can you, for some of our fans that might not be familiar with exactly what the USPBL is, um, as a stepping stone for a lot of guys that are trying to get into professional baseball, um, can, can you talk a little bit about what the USPBL sort of represents, what it does for some of those players, how it looks, and, and sort of what it meant for you? Yeah, you know, so so right when the draft didn't happen, you know, I didn't hear my name called in the 2019. You know, I was like, what's next? You know, I still had the hunger to play. And, you know, the guy that was helping me out, my advisor at the time, was like, hey, you know, go try this league in Michigan. And so I drove from Florida to Michigan and, you know, beautiful stadium. They play at Jimmy John Field. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, they have some good managers and, and it's a very, you know, they, they practice a lot and it's developmental. You know, they play a few times a week. You know, it's not like a regular pro season where you're traveling and you're, you know, you're playing every day. It's a little different, you know, and it's, um, they've had a lot of pitchers signed, you know, so, so they have this model where it's like, you know, a develop, developmental thing for these pitchers to throw harder and, and it works. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. The pitchers are very, very competitive, and it was, um, you know, it was, a, it was a fun experience, you know. But, you know, I, uh, I played for about a month and a half, you know, and I, you know, it was competitive. It wasn't easy. Maybe, you know, I wasn't in the right headspace because I thought I should should have been somewhere else. So maybe I didn't go in with the right mindset, you know. But, you know, I still had a fun time, and it was a, you know, it was a learning experience. I think, you know, preparing me for competitiveness like I'm facing right now. So that that actually gives us a good transition back to where we are right now. Do do you feel in any way that like the the setup for the USPBL where you're only playing a handful of times a week does that potentially give you a slight leg up on the way that this this current Somerset Professional Baseball Series is being played where where you guys are only playing two times a week has that factored in at all for you? Yeah, I mean it, you know that experience of not you know like. I just thought pro baseball, you know, was like an, you, you play every day and if you, you know, you go for four, then you have an opportunity the next day to, to get better. So yeah, I mean, it's helped me like mature, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, all right, like, you know, you gotta, if you don't do well, you gotta go work on it during the week and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta just play better. <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, so you got off to a really strong start um, to begin the series. You had a really strong week one, um, you know, certainly a standout player for the Patriots. Going into this series, one of the things that I was talking about, that it, it, the guess from a lot of us was that pitching was going to be ahead of hitting, uh, just from the nature of how the, the pandemic hit and how, how pitchers can sort of, you know, get loose and, and work on their own stuff sort of on their own time um, where, you know, you're – sort of limited in the amount of live pitching that you can see to sort of prepare from a, from a batter perspective. Um, so what was it like for you when, when the series first started? Did you feel like there was any real adjustments that you need to make or did you feel like you were a little rusty? Uh, because the, the, the stats, at least in the first week, certainly didn't show that at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I knew there was going to be rust there. You know, I haven't been facing live pitching. Um, but the, the one thing that I, I knew I had to have was like confidence. You know, I just, I had to go in there, and I, I still, that, that's my mindset, is just go and compete. Mm. You know, like, I, I know I'm not I'm not going to have that rhythm of, you know, facing a lot of pitchers, but, like, no, like, you know, just, just go in there. You know, these guys are throwing high-level pitches. Like, 
I just need to go and compete. And, you know, that, that competitiveness has allowed me to, you know, have some success, you know, and it's allowed me to, you know, if I go 0 for 5, just bounce back. You know, it allows me to just, to just have that, you know, that, I guess, yeah. optimism mindset, you know, instead of just getting down on myself or, you know, getting frustrated. You yeah, well, know, you know, like, hey, you look, there's it, already enough frustration, you know, in the world. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, I could definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and your first at bat, you had an RBI single. Your second at bat is Zach Fly. So two plate appearances in, um, you had two runs batted in. Um, and now sort of fast forward to where we're at in the series. We've, We've gotten through now four weeks. Um, the Patriots and the Blasters are tied at four games apiece, but um, your numbers currently, uh, a 308 batting average, uh, two runs batted in, four walks. You lead the series with five stolen bases. You've got a 444 on-base percentage. Um, as this series has continued, have you felt that you've been able to sink into more of a groove? Is it is it feeling a little bit more natural to you or, you know, is it still, do you still feel like there's a little bit of rust to shake off? No, I, you know, I feel confident. I feel I have a good rhythm. It's really good. You know, I, I'm having a great time. What, what's it like for you going up against such a high level of, um, of pitching talent? Um, you know, of course, this past week, uh, Brandon Liebrandt had his contract purchased from the Blasters and now is going to the Miami Marlins organization. You know, there's, uh, Vin Mazzaro who has major league baseball experience on the Blasters. Um, Sean Caselica has triple A experience, Vin Aiello double A, Alex Vargas double A. So these are arguably the, the, the highest, the highest level of talent that you've gone against from a pitching perspective. Um, has that been difficult transition for you at all? It hasn't, you know, but, but I'd say it's like, you know, Dan, like that's like a third person response, but it's like, Dan, like you can't miss that one pitch you get, you know, like mm. I don't have, you know, I don't have many opportunities, you know, so it's like, I got to take the ones that, you know, like the pitcher's pitches, and I, I got to hit that pitch that maybe they miss with, you know. So it's like there's a lot less, you know, I'd say. So it's, but it, it, it's growing me, you know. It's like where I felt like, okay, I was playing like low level professional baseball. Now it's like, all right, what do you got, you know? So it's, like, <laughs> it's been a good, it's been a good challenge, you know. Do you, yeah. I, I've talked to a couple of different people about this. I'm, I'm curious how you feel. Um, do you view this league as a as a showcase at all? Do, do you view this as an opportunity to show a lot of people sort of what you have to offer? Yeah, because it, it, it's been, you know, I'm facing that double A, triple A guy that's that's been at that level that I want to get to, you know. So so yeah, it's like you know, go out and and show us what you have against that that high end arm, you know. So so it is, you know, if, if people are watching or are looking at the numbers, you know, leading into next year, you know, hopefully I do enough good, you know, in the next five games where I have good numbers to stand it, to, to stand up against, you know, a, I face some really high end arms, you know what I mean? And just mm. circumstances, that's why they're here. So I, I, I talked to Billy Lane Jr. a couple of weeks ago about sort of the relationship um, between the Patriots players and, and the Blasters players and, Look, you guys practice together, you're on the field, you're taking IO together, running together, sometimes taking BP together. Um, do you, what, what's the competitive sense right now between guys on the Patriots and guys on the Blasters? And, you know, with only two weekends left in this, like, are, are guys starting to get really competitive that, you know, you want to take home this, uh, this championship trophy and, and finish out on top? Yeah, so, so it is competitive, but at the same time, it's like the most professional setting I've been in. You know, it's like, 
Hmm. We're, we're helping each other and we're, you know, everyone ex- respects each other. You know, I didn't know going in what it was going to be like because, you know, I'm that, I was NAIA guy. I played USPBL and, you know, these other guys are affiliated, but no, like you wouldn't even know, you know, like you wouldn't even know what level these guys were at. It's just, there, there's so much mutual respect and it, it, it's really amazing. Um, and then once it's game time though, and we have those different uniforms on, it's business, you know, so <laughs> it's been like, it, it's a, it is competitive, you know, it's 4-4 right now, and, you know, the paths we're trying to take at home, so. <laughs> um, all right, last, last question for you. I'll, I'll let you get out on this. Uh, you know, we take a lot of pride here with the Patriots of being members of the Central Jersey community, and, you know, we take a lot of pride in being the first uh, professional baseball that was played in 2020, considering everything that's been going on. But, I, you know, personally, I'm not from the state of New Jersey, but, from talking to a lot of guys, I've, I've heard how much pride um, you know, a lot of New Jersey high school baseball players have and, you know, the crop of talent that's in this state representing New Jersey um, and going on to play professional baseball. How, how much pride do you take in, in not only being a professional baseball player from the state of New Jersey, considering how many successful players have come from this state, but um, playing in one of, if, and if not the first, professional baseball game in the state of New Jersey, um, you know, in 2020, considering everything that's been going on? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been such an honor, you know, I've like, for for my parents to be able to come to the game and, and some friends, you know, and just like some of the young kids that I coach are able to come and, you know, it's just, it's just been surreal. You know, I haven't played in New Jersey in three or four years now and just, you know, how the stars align, you know, with, with this opportunity. You know, it's just been, you know, it's really just been a great experience, you know, to just play, be playing 50, you know, 50 minutes away from the stadium, you know, and it's just, you know, it's been a blast, you know, and, and just even, you know, through this time, the, the fan support, you know, has been fantastic. You know, people are coming out and cheering and it's, you know, you wouldn't even know what's going on is going on, you know, just, it's like baseball, you know, and it's great. It's fun. Well, we, we've been having a blast covering all of the action. I've had a blast, um, you know, talking about it through the podcast and on the broadcast. And uh, I, I'm happy that it's going well for you guys. Uh, we got an exciting last final five games now of this series. So, Dan, th- thanks for taking the time today. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Best of luck in the upcoming games, and uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Go pass. All right, Mark, I appreciate you, brother. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Princeton, located on Route 206, an all-new state-of-the-art sales and service facility that will redefine your luxury car experience. See all they have to offer, along with all the processes to assure a healthy environment at jlrprinceton.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection, 
throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with 8 locations on routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. A big thank you to Dan Valerio, who just joined me over the phone to talk a little bit about his journey to Somerset and how the Somerset Professional Baseball Series has gone for him to this point. That does it for this week's episode. Uh, One quick note. Because next week, in week six of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, we'll have three games. We'll have a game Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, The timing of this show is still up in the air. Uh, Right now, there's a very good likelihood that we'll likely air this show at 6 p.m. on next Thursday, and it will lead directly into uh, the broadcast of Thursday night's game between the Patriots and the Blasters. There's also a chance that our next episode would air next Wednesday instead of next Thursday. So stay tuned to the Somerset Patriots uh, social media accounts for more information on that. Uh, But that'll do it for us this week. Enjoy the games this weekend. And one way or another, whether it's next Wednesday or next Thursday, uh, we will be back with another episode of this podcast. Thanks, everyone. See you at the ballpark. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union, all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and on WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. With the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.